It is a joy and a privilege to be here to share with you in God's Word. So let us turn to God's Word. Uh, I'm reading from the Gospel according to Luke, the 7th chapter, verses 36 through 47. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table within the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. and kept wiping them with the hair of her head, and kissing his feet, and anointing them with perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A certain man, or a certain moneylender, had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which of them, therefore, will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged correctly. And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her feet. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. That extra verse was a bonus. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for your word. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable to thee, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. This Lenten series this year, we are uh, taking our cue from the book uh, Forgiveness, a Lenten study, which is written by Marjorie Thompson. And there's a quote in the introduction that I want to share with you. She writes, There is also no Christianity without forgiveness. It is impossible to conceive of any expression of Christian discipleship that ignores or excludes a virtue so central to the good news. So we are doing this series, as you're probably most of you aware, on forgiveness. And that brings me to this passage this evening that I shared with you. The setting is in the dining room of a Pharisee which is a problem for me because I always thought that Jesus had an issue with these self-righteous Pharisees. What is he doing in the dining room of a Pharisee? So right off the bat, I have to deal with the fact that God loves the entire world. 
that he gave his own, only son for the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that includes those self-righteous Pharisees. At Simon's request, they are reclined at table and enjoying what I'm sure was a fine evening meal served on the finest of China, the best available, and probably a silver pitcher for the water and nice goblets for drinking from. You know, appearances are important, and I'm sure to the Pharisee, appearances were so important. So the surroundings were rather nice, shall we say. And in comes this woman. This woman of ill repute, a lady of the evening. She appears with an alabaster vial, an expensive perfume, and begins to cry profusely at the tears shed from her eyes onto Jesus' feet, and she begins to wipe his feet with her tears and with her hair and anoint his feet with this vial of alabaster oil or perfume. Now, this perfume was expensive. It was probably a year's worth of, of wages spent on this perfume, and she gives generously to Jesus. Well, of course, this is not excuse escape Simon's notice. And he thinks to himself, if he was really a prophet, if he was really everything that everybody said, he would know what kind of woman this was and what her background was, and he would have nothing to do with her. He doesn't actually say this, but Jesus could see it in his eyes. Probably she can too. And the judgmental eye shoots fiery darts that hurt. And it lasts. Jesus decides that this is a teachable moment. He says, Simon, I have something I want to tell you. Well, tell me, teacher. And he tells this parable. And of course, the whole point of the parable is if you are forgiven of just a little, it's no big deal. But if you're forgiven of a tremendous amount, you are tremendously grateful. And isn't it true in our experience that those who have been rescued from a life of drugs or alcohol abuse or crime, when they come to the Lord, they are really on fire for the Lord. They cannot do enough for their Lord and Savior. There's, there's no task too menial or too great for them to do for their Lord. Because He first loved them, they respond out of tremendous love to Him for the forgiveness that He has given them. That they knew that they did not deserve. They knew it, that they didn't deserve this love. Simon, as a Pharisee, saw little need for forgiveness. Everybody respects the Pharisees. 
for being so meticulous at keeping every piece of the law. He had every reason to be proud of how righteous he was. And he even had Jesus over for dinner as kind of icing on the cake. But the woman, she needed lots of help. Just ask Simon. He'll tell you how much help she... She may be even beyond help. I think in a sense we can... If we admit it in our hearts, we can relate to the Pharisee. What? Relate to the Pharisee? Yep. Yep. Kind of look down at those people that are pushing drugs and abusing the drugs... Don't we kind of look down on those people that have turned to a life of crime? To those who choose not to do what they can for themselves but rely on other people to supply their needs for them? Don't we tend to turn an eye and say, I'm glad I'm not like that? Does that not sound a bit like the Pharisee who says, I don't really need the help, I don't need the forgiveness? You know what? Even today, when we hear, as you mentioned, the incident at Franklin Regional, and we think of that person, along with a whole parade of others, that have displayed violence in our schools or in our military bases, not to mention in the streets, we say, I'm glad I'm not like that. And thank God that we aren't. But you see, that's the point. We need to thank God for the grace that He's given us, that He has seen to it that we are not in that position. We need to see also the tremendous need that we have because, like it or not, we all are sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and there's not one of us that can stand on our own righteousness before the mighty throne of God. None of us has a pure white heart. We have a nice little dog. Name's Gracie. She's a Westie, West Highlands White Terrier. She is very, very white until you put her in the snow. And then you see that even though she looks so white, she isn't. And that's kind of the way it is with us. We may look pretty white compared to a lot of the rest of the landscape but we've all fallen short. And none of us can stand before the mighty throne of God and give an account of ourselves standing on our own righteousness and stand. We cannot do it. We all stand in need of God's forgiveness. And the point that Jesus would be making to this Pharisee, this Simon, was something that we need to all understand. We all need forgiveness of everything. As I was comparing this passage um, with its counterparts in Matthew and Mark, we find out that Simon didn't, Simon wasn't really quite as good as he's painted in this picture. 
You see, in the other Gospels, he's referred to as Simon the leper. Kind of reminds me of Jesus saying, before you remove the log from, or the speck from your neighbor's eye, you really need to remove the log from your own. The point of this passage is not so much whether we need to be forgiven or not, but rather how much we need to be forgiven. And the goal of forgiveness is the restoration of fellowship, restoration of a relationship. Has anybody ever done something that really got you angry? and you decided you didn't want to have anything to do with them ever again? It's happened to me any number of times. Being a Methodist, I could think of a couple of district superintendents that fall in that category. <laughs> and so how does that fellowship get restored when you've been hurt. It'd be really nice if the district superintendent came up and said, you know what, that was a really foolish move I made. I am really sorry and I'd like to make amends. Yeah, that's going to happen. John's really laughing. He's <laughs> he's, he knows very well what I'm talking about. It's not going to happen. What do you do in those instances when God said, because I have forgiven you, you need to forgive others? What happens with that prayer in the Lord's Prayer when we say, forgive us our trespasses in the same way that we forgive those who trespass against us? Do we really mean those words or are they just things that kind of flow out of our mouth because we're accustomed to saying them? Do we really want to forgive? Do we really want that relationship restored? And that's a question we have to seriously ask ourselves because that is going to be our motivation for giving that forgiveness is wanting that relationship restored. Wanting to love in the same way that God loves. I'm reminded of Jesus on the cross saying these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They were in the process of crucifying him. He was up on the cross suffering immediately the pain of what they had inflicted upon his body. But he knew they had no idea what it was that they were doing. Just following orders. Just doing what I was told to do. And everybody can have an excuse in that process. But it takes a man of God say forgive them and brothers and sisters when you are hurt 
and you have been offended. And it seems so difficult to muster up the will to give that forgiveness, especially if they're not even sorry about it. Especially when they're not sorry about it. That help only can come from the one who led the way and said from the cross, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it's only by strength of the Holy Spirit that we could forgive in that same way. That's not to say that every relationship is going to be restored. You may want that restored, but it takes two people to have that relationship. And you may have to accept that it's just going to be the way it is, but you cannot carry that burden. You cannot carry that that bitterness and anger in your heart very long. I'm reminded of a guy who was a member of the church I served a number of years back. And it was back in the 90s. Back in the late 50s, I believe it was, his wife had made a clerical error in the checkbook of their business. It ended up being a costly mistake. She said, I'm sorry, but he would not accept it. He still had not accepted it, and the bitterness in his heart and the negativity and the absolute, he was not a nice person to know. Because of that bitterness and anger and unforgiveness in his heart, and I told him, you have to forgive her. I will not forgive her. I said, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you say, forgive us in the same way as we forgive others. You're saying that you don't want God to forgive you. He said, I would rather burn in hell than to forgive her. That's bitterness. Lord, spare us that. Give us the grace to offer forgiveness. Even if it's not deserved, because grace is not deserved. Forgiveness because it is the right thing to do. It is the godly thing to do. And it is better for you as a person to be a forgiving person and to let that burden go. To leave it at the cross where it belongs with all the rest of the sins of the world. Leave it behind. Get rid of the excess baggage you have in your life. And give it to the Lord. His yoke is easy. And he asks us to lay the burden down and take up his yoke of love and forgiveness. I've talked about how we need to forgive, and that's appropriate. But there's also a response that Jesus talks about to that forgiveness. And he's pointing to that woman of ill repute whose sins have been forgiven. She comes in a response to realizing that Jesus is going to forgive her. He is going to say, it's okay, I give you a new life. 
You don't have to live that life that you have been living, that life that brings shame to you, that disgraces you, it demeans you. You don't have to do that anymore. I give you a new life, a life of love and a godly life, a love of joy, a life of peace, a life of hope and a future, a future of eternity in the presence of God Almighty. Something she knew she didn't deserve. And when she realized the greatness of that gift, her response was to take a year's worth of wages and put it on his feet, to cry tears of repentance and joy and peace, and wash his feet with her hair. When we realize that we are forgiven, and forgiven of much, many things that we're not even aware of, may I say. Because there's some of us that have lived relatively moral lives. At no point in my life was I given to a lot of cussing. I didn't drink excessively. I never smoked. I didn't sleep around. I didn't do any of those bad things that good Christians would never dream of doing. But still I stand in need of God's forgiveness. And when I realized the choice that He made to come and die on the cross for my sins, when I realized what He has done for me, how could I but not respond in love? And that's why Paul would write in Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service of worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in order that you prove and experience that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Brothers and sisters, I invite you, if you have not given your bodies over to the Lord in forgiveness or in gratitude for the forgiveness that He has given for what He did on the cross for you, this evening, I ask you to invite Him into your life, to forgive your sins, and in response, to give your heart and your very lives to Jesus, which He so desperately wants, enough that He did go to the cross for you. And just love Him. And let Him love you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we truly do love you. We're so thankful that you have rescued us from the fiery pits of hell and have instead placed in us your Holy Spirit that will guide us into the ways of truth and one day we will see you face to face in the glory of heaven. We give you the honor and the praise and the glory due your name. And Lord, we give ourselves to you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's children said, Amen.